Welcome back to the dude, show. Dude, I love that song. <laughs> that is a good song, man. Um, and not going to lie, I've been watching a lot of uh, Freaks and Geeks again. Um, it's out on Hulu. Um, and then we basically finished it in one weekend. So that's yeah. the theme song for Freaks and Geeks. Have you have you seen Freaks and Geeks? Have we talked about that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's one of the best intros ever. Great it is. Song. <laughs> yeah, I there's one YouTuber that I watch and it, he talked about the show and he was like, yeah, I never got into Freaks and Geeks. I don't really know why people like it. And I'm like, man, I don't know. That's hard, dude. Like, I mean, I mean, not enough people did. Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately. But yeah, I fucking love i mean it's a great show yeah i think it's one of those and i think one of the reasons it didn't like really take off is because um it's definitely one of those shows looking back in hindsight at all of the famous people that are in it i was like holy shit that guy's career blew up so did that guy everybody in it is just like super legendary now um so a show that could afford that many people like back in the day before they like you know became who they are today um is just crazy to see and you know watching it in 1999 when it first came out Obviously, it wouldn't have been the same effect. Um, but yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't. It, it, I don't think they really had almost any big name people in no, the show, which no, could have really. actually kind of been what hurt it. But I don't think it just it takes away from the quality. So that's what kind of blows me away, though. It's yeah, like, true. It's still, <laughs> like really good. Like so. No, but it, it's a it's definitely a cult show. But no, yeah. definitely definitely one of my favorite shows i miss it i i wish it did end though kind of in almost a, a really good way it did yeah it's almost like they knew they were going to get canceled <laughs> I, I guess that's fair that may be why they did that they may have been able to write that in <laughs> they had some idea um all right guys well welcome back episode 83 baby yeah man 83 out of 100 <laughs> Out of 100. 83 out of 100. We're sticking to it. Sticking to it, absolutely. Um, I got shit to do, man. Let's wrap this shit up. uh, Something kind of shitty happened this week. Um, If you've been following the uh, MLB at all, Trevor Bauer is no longer a red. Oh, no, I haven't been following it at all. That sucks. Did he get traded? He well, his contract was up with the Reds. So everybody it was pretty much like everybody knew he wasn't going to be with the Reds anymore because Trevor Bauer is the kind of guy that is way too good for the Reds. Um, And he has been doing this thing where um, he doesn't have any really like team loyalty. He will mostly just he's admitted he will go wherever the money takes him, um, which is not a bad plan. Um, so he only signed a contract for one year with the Reds, and that's what he wanted to continue doing. Um, so he signed a three-year contract with the Dodgers for $103 million, but mm. at the end of every season, there is an opt-out clause. So basically, 
season one with the Dodgers, he's going to make forty million. Season two, he's going to make forty-five million, and then I think like season three, he'll make like forty-eight million or something like that. So that's um, crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> good for him. Good for him. We're going to miss him. Yeah, that's for sure. He was definitely one of the most entertaining Reds. Yes. <laughs> um, which I think. Yeah, I can't I can't fault the guy too much because, man, if I was a professional athlete, I wouldn't have any team loyalty. either. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I do respect the people who've done it. I know one of the biggest ones that is a player I actually got to follow, uh, not so much in baseball, uh, but in uh, Nick Mangold was a center for the New York Jets for years. Mm hmm. And he did not play for any other team. Oh, wow. Yeah, good for him. Um, yeah, so, and I get, I mean, Votto, I don't know if Votto's always been a Red, but he has. Yeah, he has, yeah. He, he okay. always has, and he probably always will be. <laughs> Which I respect. Can I say, though, the the thing about Joey Votto, though, I I don't feel like the guy delivers that much, though. He, he is way past his prime. He was pretty good. His His peak was like four or five years ago and ever since then like he's more of a captain to a good guy to have around because he's super knowledgeable and wise and keeps the I mean, spirits up but he's performance wise he's gone downhill for sure yeah i mean he's a good first baseman mm -hmm. uh, it, uh i mean correct me if i'm wrong but like his first baseman status hasn't really slowed but definitely his batting right yeah has slowed i'd he's like to see him in a different role batting you know, I think they should move him out because he's either always been third or fourth. Yeah. Well, he he's one of those people that like he doesn't have an amazing batting average, but mostly just because he's one of those he, he's one of those money ball type players where he like it doesn't matter if you, you know, take a walk as long as you get on base. So he has a lot of walks. He, he does draw a lot of walks, which is good. He does. He, he realizes you just you just got to get on base. It doesn't matter if you hit a home run or not. But um, so he does that. But sometimes it doesn't work out for him. So he does have a lot of strikeouts as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, great player. Like, I don't think any diehard Red fans would shit on joey Votto. right i just i just when i see Votto play i'm just like damn this guy didn't really do anything this game did he yeah. <laughs> he kind of was just there and but he's a good first baseman so i don't think there's any reason not to have joey Votto. Mm -hmm. yep 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 but i'm sure he costs a lot of money yeah right <laughs> i'm sure he's making bank anyways yeah. we're doing a podcast i'm i'm totally i haven't talked to you in a minute so i'm just sort of like <laughs> it has been a while yeah it definitely has so i'm cool with it <laughs> um anyways mitch well let's stay on some kind of track here do we want to do what you drinking yes <laughs> i opened up my beer as you were saying that so. yeah i hope the capture <laughs> got that right because that was that was well timed <laughs> cool cool so i have got a um from fall city brewing in louisville kentucky um which i actually went there a month or so ago really cool place um this is called an onward hoppy brown ale it's a seasonal selection. Hmm. <laughs> um, and I'm just going to tell you straight up, I've already had a couple of these because I had to buy a six-pack. Um, I don't like it. I'm not a big fan of brown ales. I'm not really sure why I picked this, but... Um, oh, this is the one that you didn't like. <laughs> yes, this is the one that I did <laughs> <Okay>. not like. <laughs> but I'm going to drink it like it's the first time anyway. Here we go. Well, yeah. Dr take a swig and then give us some feedback as to what you're not liking about it Ooh, boy. it looks good it looks like i'd like it yeah it's pretty dark it's pretty dark um yeah it's it tastes like one of those like have you ever had those like scotch ales yes 
I, it kind of tastes like one of those, which I haven't always liked. Yeah, I, I've never loved those. Yeah. I've never loved them, um, for sure. It tastes brown and nutty, um, which I'm I'm a, I'm more of a fruity guy over nutty. So it, there is the darker beer you get, there is a flavor profile that if it's insinuated, it's really off putting, and it's like this really flat, bitter, just dirt earthy kind of flavor That's what it is yeah it's very earthy <laughs> and and it's and i think if you have a well-balanced but you know here's here's what drives me banana sandwich <laughs> is guinness doesn't have that to me guinness tastes like water to me yeah i don't get that at all <laughs> so that's okay so here's another thing why when i drink guinness could i drink it out of a tap into my mouth directly and not bad an eye. The only time Guinness will get me is if it gets warm. If Guinness gets warm, oh, it gross. is a little yeah. bit rougher to drink. But when it's cold, man, it's it's like candy going down, dude. <laughs> I, it does. I, I fucking love it. But not every stout is that way. Mm-hmm. Most stouts, while I enjoy them and send like they they amp up that real shitty flavor and I hate it. So, but then you feel that Guinness to you tastes like every other stout. So why? I don't, okay. I won't say that it tastes like every other stout. Um, because I can kind of tell a difference between Guinness and some of the other stouts I've had. And I think the reasoning behind that is, and keep, take this with a grain of salt because I'm definitely not a stout beer expert. Um, although I'm a stout beer guy, um, uh, stout is <laughs> okay. in fat. Uh, a, a stout man who likes beer. Uh, exactly. There you go. Got it. Swing and a miss. All right. <laughs> no, that was clever. That was clever. <laughs> Joke landed. Continue. Um, <laughs> I don't even remember what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Guinness, like, they don't have a whole lot of flavors going on. Like, I don't think that tastes overly, like, nutty like this does. Um, I think it's kind of boring, if anything. So here's my concern. Is Guinness like the Bud Light of the stout world? I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> I kind of think it is, too. But why then is it so revered? Who's a revered by? You got to think about that. Well, I mean, I would say most because, I mean, it's one of the most popular beers. It is, yeah, it is. It's like if you say, you know, to most beer drinkers, tell me a stout, they'll say Guinness. True. But I think Guinness is a big part of the economy in Ireland. Because I hear from everybody who goes to Ireland, it's like, oh, that's all you get, man. That's all mm-hmm. that's there is fucking Guinness. It comes out of the fucking, you know, the the tap water. <laughs> like, there's no tap water. It just It's like fucking Mr. Deeds where all the water fountains right. is like high sea, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I, I just wonder if it's just such a big part of the economy um i don't know i mean i love it it just it cracks me up just how different that is because i just i could just drink guinness all fucking day man and not have an issue yeah Yeah. it's expensive which is why i don't but yeah we should um we should turn this into an uh irish economics podcast because clearly we're experts on the subject clearly (laughs) we have a lot of hot takes um 
We, Potatoes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. I was like, we'll probably get attacked by the fucking IRA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I was like, oh, that's not cool. People in Ireland don't find that funny. No, they do not. We've yeah, because they now. have to deal with it. <laughs> I can't. Also, can't believe that's still going on. I don't. Yeah. I know fucking nothing about Ireland, dude. Really, when it comes down to it, I you're you're exactly right. I know fuck all. <laughs> Same here. Um, Same here. <laughs> um, all right. Well, like I mentioned before we started, I didn't go fancy at all. I have a twisted tea. And I got the peach flavor. Oh, okay. That sounds pretty good, actually. I don't know. I just felt like it's <laughs> Sunday. It's actually kind of nice out. It's not really cold. Uh, sun's out. Uh, sun's out. T- tea out, boys. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but I love Twisted Tea. And I always liked Twisted Tea. And I liked it before the fucking meme. And I'll, I was going to <laughs> bring that up. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad that happened. <laughs> oh, damn. I don't remember the last time I had this. That's fucking good. That tastes it's like peach good. tea. That I tastes bet. like Snapple. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I bet I would uh, like that. That's really good. It's. I have an issue of I can't drive my car very far right now, so I can't really get anywhere that actually has like anything <laughs> interesting to drink. Sure. And I don't want to buy a six pack of a beer I'm not going to like, so I bought a twelve pack of Miller Light and then a tall boy of this, and I said, well, this will be. <laughs> "Yeah, that that sounds like a plan, man." Because yeah, I did the opposite. I got a six pack of beer that I took a took a chance on, and I end up hating every single one of them. So, I, I <laughs> around the time I turned twenty three, I just stopped doing that. <laughs> like I'm like, I'll I'll get like a growler of something and try it, but. Unless I know I like it, I'm not buying a whole six pack of that. Good call. Good call. Because <laughs> I just, it's it just, you never know. And then sometimes you want a beer, but you don't want that kind of beer. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that's what we're drinking. Mitch, let's uh, keep this train wreck a chugging. Uh, you want to do some lightning round questions? Yes. Let's let us do a lightning round. All right. Question number one. We haven't talked about this yet, but today, as of recording this, is the Super Bowl. Yes. First off, are you going to watch it? I'll probably put it on. Yeah, I'll probably I'll probably flip around. I'm not going to watch the entire thing, but like, you know, when it comes time to the big being over, I'll be like, okay, might as well watch the last quarter. Um, Who do you think is going to win? Let's make our predictions right now. Um... God, last time I was pretty damn close. Do you remember? I can't remember. What did you predict? I I picked that the Chiefs would win, and I was only off by I think there was like a three or four point spread. Okay. So I was pretty goddamn close. Um, I don't know, man. I watched zero football this year because the Jets. I don't believe one. Oh, I think they won one game. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna, I, I kind of think the chiefs might repeat. I think they're going to go back to back because I think Brady was helpful to the, I don't know enough about the Buccaneers. I really don't. I don't think anybody does. I think even people in Tampa Bay are like, Oh shit. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We're good. Brady's coming here. (laughs) We have a football team. Um, I I remember the Super Bowl last year, and I remember the ev, uh, the 49ers were favored going in. Mm-hmm. But Patrick Mahomes, while not seasoned yet, I felt has more 
weapons and a bigger team mm-hmm. to utilize. And I think that's what wins Super Bowls. I don't think Brady wins Super Bowls. I think the team as a whole did. And that's one of the reasons why the Patriots were such a good fucking team is because while maybe they would have a weaker side, you know what I mean? Maybe like, Mm -hmm. oh, maybe the defense ain't so good this year. They always had on the other side of the ball, um, like insane weapons. I don't really know if Tampa Bay has that. Not really. No, I think they're riding the the influence and the hype train of everything coming not that tom brady is not an amazing quarterback i mean i hate i have to admit that the man is a god in football yeah and he's made a career out of fucking nothing like dumb luck (laughs) so i respect his work ethic wholeheartedly right i just don't know if it's enough i don't think tom brady's enough i think the chiefs are gonna win i think it could be close I don't know. I don't even want to do a point thing. Okay. Well, here's my thing. So I I, I agree with you. I think that the uh, I think that the chefs are gonna the are gonna pull it out. <laughs> um, but I actually just found this out because I was kind of curious because I haven't really followed uh, NFL as much uh, either this year. But um, apparently. Um, the and and any football fans that are listening are just going to be like, yeah, you dumbasses. I did not know that. Here's here's the uh, the uh, Buccaneers like starting roster, if you will. Tom Brady on quarterback, Antonio Brown on wide receiver, and the uh, same Antonio Brown that played with Tom Brady when he was on the Patriots. Rob Gronkowski, tight end, the same tight end that was <laughs> that played on the Patriots with Tom Brady. So. There's at least three people that are expatriates, expats, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember the Jets actually had Antonio Brown for a minute. Yeah. Because um, he used to be a Steeler. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really where he played a lot of football and really put shit up was when he was a Steeler. I fucking hated. I hated <laughs> Antonio Brown. Um, I did. I remember the Gurkowski thing. I didn't know they actually got him. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. Had I watched a minute of football this year, I might have known. <laughs> right. So, yeah, okay. I mean, that's different, man. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I still don't think they're going to be able to pull it out just because Patrick Mahomes is a beast. He He's an he's a definitely a different quarterback than Tom Brady. So, it's going to mm. be really interesting to see uh, what happens. So, I'm, right. I am curious. I'll probably watch a decent amount of it and, and unless it's just, like, really boring. But... Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, man, it was really fun because he tore through the 49ers defense last year. Once he started to, like, get comfortable with the Super Bowl jitters wore off, he was just running, fucking, he did whatever he wanted out there. So, Mm -hmm. I just, I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, right. Well, (laughs) another thing we know. (laughs) Place your bets now, people, because you have just heard it here. The two people that know least about football in the world predicted the Super Bowl champions. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And I did get it right last year. Pretty goddamn close to the score, even. But I'm not even going to try to do a score this year because I've watched zero football. So, I don't know. Okay. Question number two. This is kind of a fun one. Um, Hypothetical situation. Imagine this. So, an asteroid is coming towards earth and you have the opportunity to listen to one song and as soon as that song is over everyone dies what song are you picking <laughs> um trying to think like what's the longest <laughs> song 
I could think of. Um, no, I don't know. I'm trying to think what would be, what would be epic. I don't know. Because I don't. Do I want to pick something like heartfelt, or do I want to pick something epic? Like, do I just want to go like master of puppets, like yeah. just fucking, you know, <laughs> could be. or ride the lightning? No, just fucking ride the lightning, ride. people. Here we go. <laughs> you know, and just yes. fucking. Now, does everybody get to hear the song, or am I the only one hearing the song? You're the only one hearing the song. You're um, alone. Imagine. <laughs> God, yeah, that's that's kind of a tough question. I feel do like you, the. F- do you want me to go first? Yeah. I, do I you do you have this. an idea? Yeah. I kind of. I I, I couldn't like. Well, I I actually had a very similar thought to you. I couldn't really narrow it down to one. I kind of narrowed it down to one serious one and one fun one. So I'll just okay. name you both. My. My fun one, I think, well, it's kind of fun and also serious, but I think it would be Space Odyssey by David Bowie, um, just because what a fucking righteous song yeah. to go out on. This is ground control to major time. And it's it's about space. Like, holy shit, we're getting hit by an asteroid. This could not be more perfect. Um, <laughs> what right. a good song. Um, and then my other answer, because I couldn't narrow it down. And I actually had the same thought you did. I was like, what's the longest song? Right. <laughs> um, and I went with Freebird <laughs> for two reasons. One, it's the longest song. I'll be lo- I'll, I'll be alive like at least 10 minutes after everyone else. Um <laughs> Uh, and then also it's like kind of a sad song. Like if you, if you strip down the, you know, take away the pretentious side of your musical taste when it really comes down to it and you're like, the world is going to end in five minutes, nothing matters. Freebird is a pretty good song to go out on as, as much as I may hate it. (laughs) The the lyrics are kind of about death. Like, oh, this it's fitting. (laughs) Um, no, I think those are really good answers. Uh, I think, I think an interesting one for me is I would like to do, I would like to kind of do a Pink Floyd song. Oh yeah. Because Pink Floyd has a tendency to be pretty somber, but yet hopeful, but yet, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of depressing also. So I think time would be kind of a cool one. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, taking cool. away the moments that make up, and it's a it's a song about how futile we are as humans up against time. Yeah, as an asteroid <laughs> come and and the song will end. It's amazing, yeah. But it also has the reprise of "Breathe" and the on the reprise of "Breathe." It actually has like really sweet lyrics like "Home, um, Home Again." I like to be here when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, when at last I come home, cold and tired, it's good to warm my bones beside the fire. Um, really, really poignant, sweet um, lyrics there. So I, I think time would be a good one. Or plot twist, I'm switching it up. Another Pink Floyd song, Set Controls for the Heart of the Sun. Oh, dude, yes. <laughs> Which is super not a fun song to listen to. <laughs> it's fucking terrifying. <laughs> um, but I, I think that would kind of be what I would want to hear. Because it's very yeah. soaring, huge, momentous, mm-hmm. yeah, and I just yeah. I, I can't think of too 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 many other bands or songs that would be just so m- momentous as like a Pink Floyd track like that. 
Yeah, definitely, man. Or I, I could should... do Echoes, which I do think Echoes, if you do every part of Echoes, it's a six-part song. It's about 25 minutes. <laughs> there, so, well, there you go. Yeah. So I could do that. <laughs> Just. <laughs> I think we should. This is kind of a cool idea that I'm definitely going to do. We should make a Spotify playlist full of just like epic songs for the end of the world. Like Ooh, final songs to go out on. That would be fun. That That'd yeah, that cool. would be fun. Yeah, that would <laughs> yeah. actually be really fun. We'd have to put a lot of thought into it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I would totally do that. Because the flip side then, I don't know, I would not mind going out on Metallica. Yeah, Just through that, yeah. Deep cut, brutal fucking Metallica songs. Like, oh, dude, all nightmare long. That'd be epic. Oh, and that song's fucking long, too. That's like an eight minute jam. Right. This playlist is going to be like four songs and it's going to be two hours. <laughs> it's going to be two hours. Yeah. No, that, that is fun. All right. Question three. Final question. Um, what is the worst job interview you've ever had? every job interview <laughs> they're they're all pretty bad i hate job interviews <laughs> me too i hate them it's just hard man it's like no okay so i do i do actually have one i had an over the phone interview for a tech company uh to work an entry-level it job mm-hmm. and i don't know if they did it on purpose or it was just a horrible fucking coincidence but it was raining real bad i had terrible reception mm. could not hear this person at all and I and it was just bad. I couldn't hear the questions he was asking. I was kind of just blindly answering because I yeah. kept asking him to repeat himself, but I heard a tinge of annoyance. Oh wow, yeah. Huh. So I kind of like tried to stop and just try to like pick out keywords, but it it was bad, man. None of it worked. And I thought I handled it well, but I didn't get the job, so apparently not. Because um, yeah. a you know primary function of the job is that it's over the phone. So I mm. almost feel like they were doing it on purpose to fuck with me. Yeah. Huh. But then I was also like, that's shitty because everyone's nervous in a job interview. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to do things to make a person nervous. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just I mean, I understand job interviews are there to to, to pick the best person for the job. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, what do you really I've just learned over the years that nine times out of ten, it's not necessarily the person that's going to be the most qualified all the time mm-hmm. it, it depends on what we're talking about but i think nine times out of ten it's typically the person with the best etiquette like mm-hmm. the person who they could be like yeah i'll work in a cubicle with them and not want to fucking blow my brains out right yeah you know like so it's it's just kind of i i, I felt kind of off put by the whole situation because i felt like i i felt like either they did it on purpose or it was a terrible coincidence and i just felt like they could i would have respected if he said you know are you sure you're understanding me? I'm asking a lot of questions here. Are you And I would say like, you know, I'm having bad reception. Like, I'm really sorry. I, I tried to have you repeat, but I don't want to waste your time. Yeah. And we could have maybe rescheduled or done something different. But it just felt like a really shitty experience. And I was like, yeah. I don't know if I do want to work so for it, you. Because like towards the end of it, you, you pretty much like admitted like hey this didn't go very well. <laughs> I, I just started. No, I didn't do that. I just sort of yeah, was okay. like, yep, nope. Yep. No, because I'm like, I can't fucking hear you. And I think you know that. Right. And I think you're ignoring that. And I've tried to be a little bit more vocal. So I just let it fucking go. I just I really don't want to work for you. Yeah, that's that's brutal. (laughs) So, I mean, if I would have like gotten a second interview, because that's what you had to do. And then you got an in-person interview. I think a lot. But I'm just like, man, that sucks. Because like now, granted, my phone skills weren't that good at the time. Mm -hmm. They are better now. 
because I've spent a lot of time on the phone working. Um, so I've upped my phone skills a lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, now I think I could do better, but at the time my phone skills were pretty bad, yeah. but I also just don't, I, I think a face to face interview is the way, or like this, like a webcam interview. Mm-hmm. Cause you, you have more response from people face to face. You don't get that on the phone. Right. So I just don't think it's very accurate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. That was the worst job interview I had. Yeah. Gotcha, man. That, that does suck. Like if it weren't for technology, you probably could have killed that if it were face to face. And actually I do want to say, I'm not going to say too much. I did interview for the company that you work at. Yeah. that. <laughs> and I enjoyed well that either. interview. Actually, <laughs> it was a nice interview because I felt like the person interviewing me was being very honest. They told me, I'm not quite sure you relocating is going to be a good idea right now. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, like I respect that, but here's, here's how I feel. Here's my plan. Mm-hmm. But I, I totally hear what you're saying. So just keep me in consideration. Um, but it was long, man. It was an over an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it was rough because uh, I'm just like, I wasn't told it would be this long. They told me 1520. Yeah. God. And then I was on the phone for over an hour in yeah. my car because I wanted it to be quiet and I'm like, God, I really would have just like you to tell me that it's a long interview. Don't lie to me. Right. Yeah. No, they that is kind of shitty. They almost did the same thing to me when I when I came in for my in-person interview. They told me it would take like an hour and a half, two hours. Um, and I like for some reason, Erica was also like in town. We weren't living in Fort Wayne at the time. Um, so she dropped me off and I was like, hey, just pick me up in like two hours. Um And then what they did was they interviewed me and then they like had me go sit and listen in on like the phone with someone that actually was doing the job that I like was applying for. Um, And then they just sat me there for what felt like forever. And it seems like they forgot about me because I was just like hanging out with this person for like another hour and a half before somebody finally was just like, oh, yeah, hey, I forgot you were still here. Um, Yeah, you can go like (laughs) what what happened so yeah erica was like waiting on me in the car for like probably an hour (laughs) it was really weird man yeah and as a person who would interview people like i i understand it's hard it's difficult i remember Mm -hmm. i had a packet that i had to do like when i worked for rite aid and i would tell them i don't really answer these questions like i was kind (laughs) of unprofessional but once we start talking i got a good read on are you personable? Are you able to talk to people? Right. But then I'm working at writing, man. Like they don't give a shit. You just want a body. It's just, I don't yeah. know. I get, I get frustrated at interview processes because I feel like they do nothing to actually gauge your professionalism and your work ethic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but I also well, don't think the job interviews where they throw you into an environment with a bunch of random people and make you actually do stuff. Right. I don't think that's very cool either because it's like, you're kind of like making me do work for you. <laughs> right. But I'm trying to get a job. Exactly. So why am I doing this shit for you? When I when I worked at the coffee shop, I was in charge of like hiring people, so I did all the interviews and it was super fun. Like I kind of enjoyed it mostly just because um like kind of like what you said, I was very unprofessional about it. Like a coffee shop job Anybody can do it. And it was the kind of job where they had massive turnover. So they were literally just trying to, you know, get bodies like pretty much anybody that had an interview. I was pretty much told to hire them, like no matter what. So um, usually when I went in for interviews, I would the first question I would ask people is, uh, how do you like your coffee? What kind of coffee do you like? (laughs) 
<laughs> and if they said black coffee, I was like, all right, respect. Um, and then I would also ask him like, Hey, what kind of music are you into? Mostly just because like, I knew I would have to hang out with this person like for many hours a day. Right. And it was one of those things where like, if I'd, I, I want to, I, I want to hire a cool person that I get along with because <laughs> yeah, anybody I mean, can fucking make coffee. <laughs> if, if you're okay with working minimum wage and you like Led Zeppelin, we're going to get along just fine. fine. We're, we're going to be fine. <laughs> and I, and I mean, I really hate to say it, but most people could do most jobs, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Like that mo the average person is out interviewing for. So I really think that companies should take more of an interest of just, bring them in for an hour make sure that they're just a normal fucking person <laughs> yeah and, and and you know teach them how to do the job because most companies don't train mm -hmm. yep or yep. they train badly so yeah i don't know that's just my little two cents <laughs> cool well i do have a the worst job interview i've ever had and i don't think i've ever like told you the story because it's super embarrassing and i'm finally just getting to the point where i like am not shuddering about it like you um, could, yeah talk about it <laughs> yeah i could talk about it because it's just like oh my god i was such a dumbass um <laughs> this was like as soon as i graduated college it was like 2013 2014 um there was this job opening for like what at the time would have been like one of my dream jobs it was like super fun um i'll tell you it was basically for like a audio video rental company this company that just owns a bunch of like audio gear and like hired people to go out and like you know run sound for these events and everything okay. um and they were hiring like what they called like a marketing manager or something like that where basically the job opening would have been um pretty much twofold one to do any sort of like social media marketing and then two to just kind of like plan the events that they were working on like oh you know they've got this event they're gonna need you know a soundboard they're gonna need two people to run it so it was just kind of planning like okay you, you know the you're gonna need this equipment and kind of making the schedule and everything and it and, and it was a pretty cool job like it wasn't like an entry-level job they were paying quite a bit um and um i got i went in for the interview and um it, it was going pretty well um but i remember the question that fucking was my downfall um because i i was very confused because it was a audio video company but it was also for a marketing position and i had like marketing positions in the past so i remember the question that killed me was um he, he was just like he, he said something like and um how familiar are you with uh are you comfortable with networking <laughs> And I, I was thinking for a second, like networking. Oh yeah, this is a marketing position. Uh, and I was just like, oh yeah, I've had a couple like social media, you know, marketing jobs in the past. Um, uh, I'm, and I basically just went and went on this tangent about how, you know, social media marketing and w what kind of experience I have with that. Um, and then he just looked like looked like he had this really like confused look on his face and then at the end after i finished my like 90 second diatribe about how i'm familiar with social media um i, I looked at him and he i was just like oh did you mean like audio video networking <laughs> and he was like yeah <laughs> i was like oh in that case <laughs> not really <laughs> Apparently, obviously, I'm not familiar with audio networking. <laughs> because, um, and now, yeah, anyway, yeah. So pretty much after that question, he, he had like two more questions and then that was it. See, <laughs> he, but, he was just like, this guy is an idiot. <laughs> see, I don't think that's fair, though. I don't think that's fair. I, I, I think I could see why you would have been embarrassed. But like, I think if 
like that that's what makes me mad about the interview process is like i because to me that's a simple mistake yeah <laughs> like because you were like oh yeah you know i'm i'm want to get margie yeah this is what i do networking and you think at the end he would be like oh okay great no i actually meant audiovisual networking <laughs> right. and just been nicer about it yeah and so just being like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> and then kind of being like oh well clearly he's fucking dumb so <laughs> right. just be like oh he made a mistake he's nervous like let, beat this guy up like no he did he, he he beat me up pretty hard and i deserved it but, I, but I you know it ended up being a good thing because that was for like a live sound company and if i had still been there i would pretty much be out of a job because of covid so that's a good point silver lining yeah so really yeah. <laughs> fuck them i hope they all got fired oh, God. <laughs> uh, all right cool that was it lightning round over <laughs> today not necessarily being the big day but today being the day that we will we will celebrate two big days yeah of two of our favorite bands both releasing a new album yes man the timing could not be more perfect um since last time we recorded about two weeks ago our our favorite bands released an album one week after the next so yeah so like yeah when (laughs) so weezer came out like last like uh yeah it was last friday okay so like at the end of january basically yeah Uh so okay so yeah so weezer dropped okay human and then the subsequent week, uh, Foo Fighters released uh, Medicine at Midnight. Um, could not be different uh, album names. Let's go ahead and start <laughs> Definitely. there. Definitely. Yep. Um, pretty hilarious. Um, anyways, yeah. So we wanted to just take an episode and just talk about them because we listened to both. And I think the general consensus is going to be that we both enjoyed we enjoyed both albums. Yeah. So and I and I was kind of really excited about that, which is kind of why I want to do this. Now, I have critiques of both, but, you know, I I genuinely enjoyed both albums. So I was kind of excited. Actually, I have a lot to say about Weezer. Okay. to be honest, I do, too. (laughs) And I I think I think you'll I think you'll you'll find some of the things I have to say illuminating. Um, So we we have a decent amount to talk about. But um, so where where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the Foo Fighter album first? Do you want to talk about both? We didn't talk about how we're going to do this. (laughs) Yeah, we really didn't. Um, I think that'll be I I think let's do it this way. Let's start with the Foo Fighters album. And um, let me give you my first impressions, because you're definitely more of an expert on it. You probably did a little bit more, um, you know, research onto into what it is, um, and then vice versa. We'll go to Weezer, and then you can tell me your first impressions, and then I'll kind of fill in the blanks because I know way more about that. So I like it. I like it. I like it. Okay. Cool. Start us off. Alrighty. So I did listen to the Foo Fighters album. What is it called? Medicine at Midnight. Um, yes. I listened to it a couple times, and it is actually really good. I like it a lot. There are some super good songs on it. Um, I The minimal research I did, um, apparently this was supposed to be like um, Foo Fighters, like, dance party album that they were i think i remember dave Grohl saying in an interview that it was supposed to be like uh, a david bowie inspired album um which i kind of got um there are some super good songs on there cloud spotter is one of my favorites um yeah i like i like cloud spotter a lot yeah it's really good um yeah there are some songs on there that are just okay but for the most part every song is pretty pretty good um 
And that's about, and it was a good follow-up to Concrete and Gold because, to be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the songs on Concrete and Gold. Um, it wasn't my, it's definitely not my favorite. And then Sonic Highways, obviously, yeah, there didn't didn't really like it that much. Oh, um, okay. No, that's interesting. We haven't we haven't really talked. We've heard a lot about my <laughs> opinion of Weezer, but I haven't heard a lot of your opinion on the Foo. So we haven't really. Dude, we've really got to do that thing where we just listen to <laughs> I listen to every motherfucking Weezer album and I order them. And I think yeah. you should do the same with food. We got to. I would love to do that. Yeah. It, it would be a lot, but we need to do that because I'd love <laughs> to hear because I didn't know that because I I did not like Sonic Highways at first. But then it really came around and it's it's top top. Probably top five. Oh wow! Okay, for hmm. me and conquering gold, I actually love. Oh man, I did not it, feel like that at all. It's I feel different. Like it for me, their first the, their first few albums um, are the best out there, and then they kind of went down a. I, I'm not going to say similar to Weezer line, but their middle albums are eh. But then they're starting to come back around with like this. This last album was amazing. Um, like I said, Concrete and Gold was pretty good, not great, but. But uh, yeah, that's kind of that's all about all I have because I'm not a big expert on it. I enjoyed it, so. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean to be truthful with you, I mean I don't know if I'm really that much more of an expert uh, than 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 you, to be honest. Because um, I mean that was it. You know, they had been working on this album for a minute. They were really excited to go tour it, but basically, the only thing that I really know is that it was going to get released a little bit later. And then basically they they Dave Roll basically just said, I just think it was like a good time to release it. Like he was like, mm-hmm. I just want people to have this music because it is a more fun, upbeat album. It has dancier elements to it. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a lot more layered percussion. So they'll be like, you know, Taylor Hawkins playing a good little groovy drum beat. And there's all this extra percussion and it really makes yeah. it dancier and lighter, um, which is which is very different for the Foo. Mm hmm. Um, which is something I really like. So tonally, that's probably one of the major things that I really, really love about the album is that there's a lot of things. Like one of the biggest highlights for me was like Shame Shame, which is a song that is really different than the Foo. I think that song has a pretty heavy Bowie influence. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I find very interesting is all like, you know, talking to all my friends who love the Foo, we kept expecting it to jam at the end and they yeah. never did. But I kind of like that. I was like, okay, so I've, they're not, they're not playing into the things that you would expect them to do per se. Mm-hmm. They, they were kind of, and I, and I think that takes a lot of discipline and I think it takes a lot of, thought to be like to maybe fight that urge because typically what the food would do is they would do this kind of slow more ballady song and then towards the end jam on it because you mm-hmm. could hear the riff building and they don't right. do that and i was like cool they do it on other songs but like that one in particular they didn't which kind of made the song grow on me more and more um but yeah no i totally agree cloud spotter is a great song i loved all the hits i thought waiting on a war is a really cool song really good yeah and i think it sounds like early food the biggest thing with this album for me is it does sound like earlier food it sounds a lot like the color and the shape Mm -hmm. and i think mainly melodically it sounds a lot like the color and the shape um but yeah, I mean, um, Waiting on a War is a great song. No Son of Mine is an awesome song. It's got a f- sweet-ass kind of motorhead-like riff to it. I 
fucking love that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really like this song. And also one thing I found interesting, and I think this will come up when we talk about Weezer. Uh, this album is only 36 minutes long. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> pretty sure, pretty, pretty short album overall. And I think the Weezer album is only a half hour. Right. Yeah. It's only about 30 minutes. So, and I kind of enjoyed that because I don't think it overstayed its welcome. Um, I think it had peaks and valleys and it had a lot to it. So no, I, I think this could end up being a pretty high ranking Foo Fighter album for me, for me as a Foo Fighter fan, it tends to be opposite where I start to derank the early albums because there's not as much going on sonically. Mm -hmm. Like the first album, while I love it and I love a lot of those songs, it's kind of boring to listen to me now because it's just like loud guitars and Dave Roll screaming the entire time. Yeah. Um, cause it has like two screamers on there. It's got like when weenie beanie and like Winnebago. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, jams don't get me wrong, but, um, not a lot going on color and the shape. Very, very diverse. A lot of different stuff going on. Um, but as the food go on, then they start to write slower songs. They start to write acoustic songs. They'll put acoustic songs on albums. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think they just expand their sound. So that's why, like, the later albums I get more into. Like, Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace is still hard to derank out of one or two top Foo Fighter albums just because there's so much they do on that album. And I think every song is meaningful and impactful. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much my, my take on it. Yeah. So why do you, so you mentioned this, why do you think that, um, a lot of the songs felt like they're, they were building up to something that just like never came. And I think that's the only thing I didn't really love about it is like, I, I kind of expected, you know, that's, that's Foo Fighters whole thing. And that's, one of the reasons I love them so much is because there's so much movement and dynamics that by the end of the song, it's just this righteous fucking anthem. And it it just kind of felt a little like there was something missing. And it was that final, you know, punch that I, I, I was wanting to hear. Why do you think that they decided to do that on quite a few of the songs, specifically Shame Shame. I remember watching that on SNL being like, oh, this is about to be so awesome. And then it just kind of ended. <laughs> I think it's, uh, yeah, I think they probably made that decision because you want that. So they're kind of like teasing you a bit. You know what I mean? They're kind yeah. of being a little bit of a cock tease. And like, <laughs> you, want, you want the fire, don't you? You want it. I'm not going to give it to you. I'm not going to give it to you. So I, but I think what's cool about that is that when you finally get it, it's that much more impactful. Mm. So around the time the album does get to son of mine or no son of mine, that song does it for you. Mm. So it has a couple different really heavy riffs and kicks the entire time. And I think in the context of the album, that makes that song jam more. And Waiting on Mm -hmm. a War, because Waiting on the War does it too. That song builds and builds and builds and does a typical Foo Fighter formula of starting somewhere and ending on a higher point than when they started. Um, So I think, and Shame Shame's earlier in the album. So I think they made somewhat of a conscious decision to let the moments that they want to be more impactful be more impactful because they didn't do it 12 times before yeah true yeah and just as i mean i heard it but i can understand how 
like maybe you wouldn't get that on the first pass or even so well you actually listen to this album quite a lot so maybe that just didn't resonate with you the same way it did me um but as a little bit more of a Foo Fighter fan I'm I'm even more used to this formula Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like they kind of bucked their formula a little bit. And like they, you know, with him saying like that Bowie influence, Bowie kind of did something similar. Bowie kind of had a tendency to build, but never break. Yeah. And yeah. some of his tracks like Bowie had a really weird songwriting technique. And I think they really latched onto that because um, they're always they always have this very new wave influence to their music that only comes out every now and then <laughs> yeah which is kind of why i vibe on this because because they wanted it to be dancier they wanted it to be lighter uh you know and they didn't they didn't center it around a gimmick either like they kept it pretty simple i think they just wanted something a little bit lighter something jammy something fun let's not make this heavy and depressing and that's what I pulled out. So I think that's kind of why they didn't do as many big, giant, boomy moments. I think they wanted to write a track in the style more of a pop song where it doesn't build and build and build and build. It's yeah, just like right. tension release. Like, here's a verse. Here's a chorus. Here's, you know, mm-hmm. let's let's have you groove more so than rock out. So I think right. that was conscious in their songwriting process. Yeah. And I definitely like that. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's um, you know, the it, every song can't be "Hey Jude" because if it is, then your music would just be boring. <laughs> right. If every song had a trajectory of "Hey Jude," <laughs> we would crave it to not be like "Hey Jude." Ex- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And for as a Foo Fighter fan, that's one reason this album kind of got me is because I I think they they were falling a little bit into this is how we write a Foo Fighter song. And I think mm-hmm. they buck that a little bit, which I respected. Yeah. And and it and it made the moments where they did do their typical thing because it's it, it kind of felt like the, it, I like I could picture them easily centering around on a song like Shame Shame, and they're like, okay, well, when does it kick in? And Dave's like, no, it's not <laughs> right? going to. It's not going to. And they're like, uh, what? But then like they'll do another song and they're like, are we doing it? And Dave's like. Yeah, we kind of have to do it. Yeah, we're doing it. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that's kind of probably how that album went. If I if I could Mm. blindly guess, (laughs) you know. So yeah, I can definitely see that. Um. So yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'm interesting. I'm interested to hear more of your thoughts on Foo Fighter albums because already I'm really surprised. Like, I could kind of understand how you feel about Concrete and Gold because that was kind of a weird album as a Foo Fighter fan. Because they did it with that one producer who, you know, produced like Adele and Sia and mm-hmm. and shit. Like totally different. Um, but I love that. Um uh Sonic Highways I do kinda get. I I don't know. That album grew on me over time. But yeah, I w- I don't know. I'm really curious to hear how you think about a lot of other albums and because I w- I would reckon imagine you probably haven't listened to every Foo Fighter album all the way through. No, probably not. So um, but every album I've heard at least a couple songs from, and I guess to, to kind of boil it down real quick, um, the reason I'm a Weezer fan and a U2 fan is because I am a big fan of those ballads that are kind of simple, um, that you can just belt out, um, and have these awesome guitar riffs. Um, it's almost kind of like a wall of sound kind of thing where I do like there to be dynamics. Um, but I feel like honestly, 
my favorite album of Foo Fighters probably is their first one, just because I feel like the entire album is just simple, not a whole lot going on, in your face, um, good lyrics, amazing riffs, um, and that's just kind of the st- kind of music I like. Oh. No, I, I get that. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay. Well, yeah. Uh, is there anything we want to add for the Foo before we talk about Weezer? I can't think of anything else, you. No, I, I think we covered it. So <laughs> okay, uh, what what would you what would you give this foo foo album out of ten? Oh man, um, probably g- good. I mean, I want to say an eight out of ten. I was thinking eight. Yeah, I was thinking cool. eight because an eight out of ten to me is like this is really good and definitely worth quite a few listens. Yeah, is it like pinnacle top of the cream of the crop? Not quite, but it's mm-hmm. better than most right is how i felt about it so yeah yeah i think that's a good score official (laughs) review from two friends through questions eight out of ten foo fires medicine at midnight you heard it here first you heard it here first (laughs) fuck you spin i don't know what you gave it but (laughs) fuck you um all right weezers okay human i'll give you my first impression this is how we're doing it do it to it uh first off hate the fucking name I, <laughs> I I bit my tongue when we did talk about it, but God damn, that is dumb. It's a little I I kind of I kind of agree with you. It's pretty dumb. And and the reason is, and I'm dude, I'm I'm gonna go a little bit deep on Weezer. Yeah, do it. Okay, are you ready? Okay. Yeah. So it, I want to talk about the album first. So let me let me let me pull up the the uh, track list first because that helps me kind of remember. Um. Okay. So, I really like all my favorite songs. So, I really like that. I thought it was cool. I thought it was kind of an interesting thing, uh, lyrically and musically. So, but so okay, so correct me if I'm wrong here, Mitch. So, as we talked about, the whole album is basically drums and orchestral instruments. There's really yes. not any guitar. Um, I guess there could be bass you know there there's like acoustic bass i think there's like an upright bass but that's it there's not any electric instruments what i heard yeah that's the thing is what i heard was like cellos and 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 deep strings doing bass mm-hmm. lines along right with exactly what i assume somebody doing like the piano bass line um what i i i think my overall impression of the album here was my honest to god impression I never realized how much Rivers Cuomo sounds like Ben Folds. Oh, yeah. Because (laughs) there was so much more piano, because there was so much slower songs, it really reminded me of Ben Folds. And in a good way. I don't think he was like, I'm going to fucking write a Ben Folds album. Like, (laughs) in a good way. Look, overall, I really like this album. So I, I want to go ahead and say I don't have that many negative things to say. I really did enjoy this album because for me, it was chill. It was a chill album. I liked there being piano. I liked there being orchestral instruments. Mm-hmm. It had a flair to it. I think Rivers Cuomo, honest to God, can write really, really good songs. Mm-hmm. My question is, why the fuck <laughs> are all these songs interesting and then that fucking Pacific Daydream bullshit. <laughs> Why? Why? Because this, I agree. This, yeah. this is interesting. There are songs that I don't love in there, but I find them interesting. And I remember 
coincidentally, that be my relationship with Ben Folds is there's songs that I genuinely love songs that I don't really like, but I think they're, they're interesting to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of them are cozy, man. Um, God, what was one? Um, I think around the time it gets to like bird with a broken wing, dead roses. I remember mm-hmm. it being really cozy. And I, and I listened to this while it was snowing actually. Mm-hmm. And I, and I felt like a really coziness because it's, it felt like rivers Cuomo taking himself seriously. Mm-hmm. And I really resonated with that. Like, and, um, now here's, I'm, I'm gonna get a little bit negative because here's what I didn't like. And also one of the reasons that Weezer gets on my nerves. And I think I finally <laughs> have been able to put it in words. He writes lyrics that are very, very referential. Oh yeah. And it, and I don't like that. That's just a preference thing. And I know the whole point of this album is like, they kind of wrote it like a concept album, like modern technology, man, it's tearing mm. us apart, man. <laughs> kind of a, kind of a dumb idea to write an album about because it's not original or interesting yeah, it's anymore. A little, it's a little pretentious. It's been done before. Exactly. However, I did like some of the stuff he talked about. Now there was the the third song. What the fuck is that song called? Um, or the second song, Alu Alu Gobi. Not sure. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck those lyrics were. I I was like, what the fuck is he saying? Like. I didn't have time because I, I only listened to both these albums once, so I don't I I don't have as deep of an insight. But I do recall like listening to it like these are really fucking weird ass lyrics. But I'm into yes. this. Yes, yeah. Um, but then when he talked about screens, when he when he did screens, I really liked that song. I liked the melody. I liked everything going on. But it was so referential that it already dated itself. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah. think that's a bad move as a songwriter because it's just like, oh man, this is so flash in the pan. It only kind of works in the moment that you're kind of doing yourself a disservice by not being a little bit more vague. I don't think he loves yeah. metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> right. He, 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 he just strikes me as so much of, 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 of just like a don't bore us, get to the chorus kind of guy where he doesn't mm. want to, he doesn't want to have it be cryptic. He's like, I want to yeah. be, very poignant when i say and 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 that's just not something i've ever resonated with typically Mm -hmm. in lyric writing i've i've i kind of like a balance between the two um because one of the things i was gonna mention about the album is that um a lot of like lyrically it sounds a lot like pinkerton and blue album like what they used to do um and weezer is famous for having like pop culture references in their songs which can be fun to an extent <laughs> um right like in the song i was going to mention the song grapes of wrath um that is a song about listening to books on uh, audible.com <laughs> like it it does not get any more 2020 quarantine <laughs> than writing a song about listening to an audiobook um and that's kind of what they did like on the blue album one of my favorite songs on the blue album is called in the garage and it's a song about him just hanging out in his garage playing dungeons and dragons (laughs) like there's no second meaning it's very like in your face like here's what the song is about um which i think is cool but it's also not timeless like yeah you know one of the reasons i liked the album is because if you think about it in the context of everything that happened in 2020 um it makes a lot of sense and it's really powerful but hopefully 
in like, you know, a year or two when life goes back to fairly normal, we'll kind of have forgotten the uh, 2020 and everything that went wrong. And this album won't be as timeless, I think. <laughs> yeah, because that's that's and, and and that's what bugged me about Grapes of Wrath is I really like that song. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, is this guy doing like an audible fucking ad read in the middle of the song? <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> so, but it, it, but that's a that's merely a preference thing, I think, in my opinion. Like, mm-hmm. for, for me, I don't dig that very much because it, it it to me, it breaks my immersion in that song. So when you start talking about shit that I do in my daily life. It's just like the same reason we like people don't write songs about taxes, right? (laughs) Right. It's going to totally take me out of the mood. Mm -hmm. Um, But for some people, I guess it could work because it's, it's specific. It's, it's pointing you to a direct place to identify with, to connect with, to think about. Um, Mm. Well, I think that they did a really good job of finding that balance. um, And, hopefully this will remain the same like in a year or two. But um, like one of the things I liked about it is that a lot of the songs, um, for example, like playing my piano is literally just a song about playing the piano to pass the time. Um, Grapes of Wrath was about listening to audiobooks to pass the time. time. It was very much like, here's what's going on in 2020 that everyone is kind of experiencing at the same time. We're going to write about this. So I think it was very timely and it's very powerful because of that. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think I. I don't think I would disagree. I think I would agree yeah. with you. I just. Yeah, I don't know. I. I hope it still <laughs> works, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but maybe that's kind of cool, though. Maybe it's kind of cool that they wrote an album about such a specific time, and most mm-hmm. people like because really, when you think about it, what was the last thing that really connected every human on Earth? I don't really think anything in the modern age. I think COVID yeah. really has been the first thing. I mean, like Charlotte loves 90 day fiance. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I kind of fucking like it too. Um, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I kind of like it too, but they did a whole season of basically giving the couples, the, the equipment to record themselves at home and how they're handling the quarantine. And I was like, mm-hmm. damn, the, First off, kind of woke by TLC to be like, hey, we're going to put out a season of this show because we can't do a normal season about them being in quarantine. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of nice because a lot of the couples that you kind of were like, why the fuck are they together? were actually really sweet and nice during quarantine. It was Mm -hmm. it's it's weird. The human spirit that pushed up through the shitty cement like we were the weeds coming through the (laughs) shitty cement of covid. Yeah, yeah. And they and they wrote an album about that. And it is kind of dope in a weird way, because it's just <laughs> like if this album never had relevance any other time, it, you know, it has that relevance for that moment. Right. And yeah. it's kind of dope. That's like kind of dope. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think, you know, I, I was talking to my buddy Tanner about this. Like, it's really cool if you think about it as like it's an album that's intended to be morose and sad because that's what 2020 was and they were writing about they were they were trying to find something to unify everyone that has gone through this traumatic experience together um by putting out a you know an album that was kind of about that lyrically um while also having you know 
uh, an underlying theme of, um, you know, how technology has ruined the world, which is, you know, eh, just okay. <laughs> and and I, I would say that's maybe the weirdest part because it doesn't quite like. <laughs> right. But is that really what the album's about, or was that kind of like a clip, maybe that got like said? Because I didn't get that vibe. I think he kind of like talked about how there's negative consequences to the reliance on our modern yeah, technology. There you go. That's a better way to put it. But I don't think it was a whole thing about like how technology technology equal bad because you can't write a song about audible.com and talk about how <laughs> shitty technology is. And I don't think he yeah, did exactly. that technically. Yeah. He was kind of he was kind it's of tongue lamenting right yeah the song like numbers i looked at the lyrics and that's a song about you know people being addicted to seeing how many likes they get on social media and screens is obviously um <laughs> yeah n- numbers was a little bit of an, a low point for me because it sounded kind of like typical we like yeah wow you're breaking new ground there copernicus but <laughs> but it was catchy that was the flip side was i really melodically liked what i i really liked the songwriting on this mm-hmm. and that was important to me so i could kind of i've never really liked weezer lyrics like just to be frank yeah but just because we we i mean we talked about it it's not it's not what i vibe on mm-hmm. um but i sonically really dug it and i didn't think i would you told me about it and i was like oh i'm gonna fucking hate this thing yeah exactly <laughs> <And> I, <didn't>. yeah. <laughs> I, I actually really liked it and it actually brought me back to um uh, actually, weirdly enough, Harry Nelson. I fucking love Harry Nelson. No way. Did you did you have a similar thought? Yeah, but continue. Well, I love uh, Harry Nelson. Okay, uh, because he kind of would have these really sweeping pop songs that were that just sounded like cozy and warm. Um, but he would use like very tra- he would use like orchestral arrangements, but they weren't like super big. It was all very subtle. But he pr- the primary instrument in most of his songs was piano. And mm. I think hearing it, I don't know, man, it just it brought me back to that vibe. Like this reminded me this album sounded like they listened to a lot of wings circa right after the Beatles. Yeah. And, and like early McCartney after the Beatles and like mm. Harry Nelson and john lennon and shit and and yeah. then and then made an album and i love that yeah. style of music it sounds it kind of sounds like it's like a late 70s album mm-hmm. at times well the reason i was so blown away by, by uh, blown away by you saying that is i i did watch another interview where rivers cuomo was talking about writing the album and the idea kind of came up um of writing a quarantine type album that is you know stripped away of electric instruments um and they wanted it to be very much classical they kind of had inspirations from pet sounds the Mm. beatles white album where it was really instrumental and kind of um you know this complex almost classical piece um and he says that one of his inspirations for this album was the album nelson sings newman Oh, which is have you have you not heard about this? No, is that Harry Nelson yeah. just covering fucking uh, yes, Paul Newman? Yes, it is. And uh, Randy Newman. Or Randy yeah, Newman. Nine, Paul Newman. That's yeah. the fucking actor and range dressing guy. <laughs> that's okay. You're close. Randy but yeah, Newman. in 1969, uh, Harry Nelson put out an album where he covers Randy Newman songs, and um, Rivers Cuomo listened to that and states that that's one of the inspirations for this album. So, huh? Fun fact. Wow, that's really <laughs> weird. Well, 
I, I don't know how I picked up on that vibe, but I sure did. <laughs> I know, right? I heard it. Um, okay, so what I want to talk about... Okay, well, I, I, will, I have one more critique, but then I want to kind of talk about a little bit of my overall Weezer vibe. I, I had an epiphany about Weezer. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I did not like is that Rivers kind of had a tendency to either in the arranging of the orchestral parts or in his maybe finishing the song while listening to the orchestral parts. I'm not sure it syncs up too much sometimes with what he's singing. So there would be okay. all these, because there's the lack of a tradi- of, of, of normal like pop rock band instruments. He would sing a lot with these accents and chord changes on the orchestral part. And it sounded kind of kid songy. Well, hmm. see, but that I don't. Rivers Cuomo really liked Nirvana and he really, really liked Nevermind. And when they wrote Nevermind, Kurt Cobain talked how much he said, we really just wanted to write kids songs that were heavy. And I think he took that to heart on this a little bit. I think I, hmm. I, I think that is something that happened. So I don't want to say the kid song element of it is negative because Harry Nelson kind of would write songs that kind of sounded like kid songs. You know, I don't think that's a bad thing per se, but it, it would definitely get a little simple and it would kind of like bore me a little bit at times because it's just like, well, he's nothing was happening. Um, but didn't mean the melody was bad, but that's how you create a more interesting melody is with the, the sub melody. When you, when you write things to rise in like the tension and release of melody makes it more interesting mm-hmm. when everything goes boom 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 it gets a little boring Mm -hmm. um so just a slight critique there that was one thing i didn't like but it didn't happen on every song it was just a couple of the songs that maybe i felt like he didn't know how to write a bridge for yeah so that's just something i heard now i want to talk about my weezer epiphany apparently in 1994 they played on the conan show and they did the sweater song Okay, I feel like I've seen this. Um, I watched this, and and I really had a moment of like, fuck, this is good. Like, in so many ways, in so many ways. And this is the Weezer that I've always loved. Mm -hmm. This is the Weezer that if I would have been like 16, 17 man in 94 <laughs> and I saw this band, I'm like, Oh my God, that dude looks like a fucking dork. He looks like me. <laughs> you know, right. he's got this like bowl haircut and shit and like all of them fucking looks just fucking bad. Like, yeah. uh, what, what's the drummer's name? Pat. Yeah. It, yeah. It, or Brian, Brian Bell. There's one, I think the bassist is Pat. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, I might be wrong. Well, the drum, anyway. yeah, the drummer always <laughs> looks like he's just constantly like going to a fucking like, you know, uh, <laughs> trigonometry class or something. Like he's got a pocket protector and shit. Right. Like they just, they all look dweeby and they do the sweater song. And I think as a Weezer fan, I always kind of liked the sweater song just because it was very not a surf. It was very Pixies. It was very Nirvana. It was it was that whole they, they were. I think when Weezer started, they had this like real grasp on a post grunge alt sound that they mm-hmm. took. But they weren't trying to be I, it, when I saw it, I just felt like, dude, this was me and my buds, man, like like. 
I would have dug this shit so hard if if if, if that hit me when I was 16, 17. You know, and I, like I would have freaked the fuck out. Um, you know, he's got his lightning strap on. You know, um, it, it just it clicked for me, and it was good. It, it, and also, it was just a great fucking performance. And I was like, dude, that's mm-hmm. fucking Weezer, man. Like that was so cool. And I would have loved that shit because it's nerdy. They actually had like pieces of paper on the fucking mic stands where they would actually read the lines. You know, like the background chatter and the party. Uh, they were yeah. reading oh, the that's shit. Awesome. <laughs> And it was so cool and dweeby, and I fucking loved it, man. And it felt like a band of dudes who did get together every weekend and play fucking D&D and write weird, yeah. you know, alt songs. <laughs> and I just, I fucking, I, I dug it so much. And that is when I had an epiphany of, this is the Weezer I identify with. Mm-hmm. As Weezer got bigger, it, I think it's harder to identify with them. But also, I don't think they knew what to do. And I'm realizing that now. I don't think a lot of the band's decisions that were negative, because we kind of talked about, like, that's the weird thing about being a Weezer fan. Is the album going to be good? Is it going to be the worst fucking album they ever did? (laughs) We don't really know. (laughs) Right. Because I think at a certain point, they didn't know what to do. And I don't think that Mm. Rivers or the whole band really wanted to be like, yeah, we're going to remake the Blue Album or we're going to do Pinkerton again. I don't Mm. think that was ever their goal. They didn't want to do that. They wanted to do other stuff but also i don't think that was their only musical influence it felt i for the first time saw a band that felt like something kind of important you know just just dweeby guys making heavier music mm-hmm. but being a little bit there as that kind of that that kind of band that those kind of people can latch on to i think when they got popular and they got big i think they got too big too fast mm-hmm and then I don't think they knew what to fucking do because I don't think their goal was to make that kind of music their entire lives. So then when mm. they got faced with the the choice, I think then you get to like the make-believe era. And I think they're trying to do something different, but they don't know how. Mm-hmm. And I think that Weezer's issue is that they've spent their entire career in an identity crisis where they want to appease those fans but they want to be the band they want to be. But I don't also think that they ever figured that out because I don't think they're supposed to be the same band year after year. They're not the Foo Fighters. Right. Yeah. They're not going to walk up there and be like, are you ready to fucking rock or die? (laughs) (laughs) Right. They're not that band. They're, they're different. They're dweebier, they're nerdier and Mm. they have a different goal but I think it's been harder for them to obtain. And yeah. um, one, of, one of my favorite Weezer songs, Back to the Shack. That's a good one, yeah. Because I just love the whole, like, uh, I, I, I kind of identify it too because literally my buddies and, and me used to play music in a literal shack. It was a fucking <laughs> shed. Yeah. Um, so when they do stuff like that, I love it so much more. But then they put out, like, Pacific Daydream and it's fucking shit. And it's just harder mm. for me to stand up for him at that point because I'm like, y- right. y'all knew this wasn't good. Yeah, like, like well, right. That's, that's <laughs> been one of <laughs> right. That's been one of my uh, 
conflicts with Weezer too, because you're exactly right. Like I've I, I I've done you know quite a bit of research about Rivers Cuomo, and you you hit the nail on the head. Like he is the most insecure person. Um, and at the beginning, it's kind of fun. It's cute. Like you identify with this guy that you know he writes dweeby songs because he's a dweeb, and that was their appeal. Like you know, one, everybody in the early '90s loved them because like oh shit, I could do that. That's one of the reasons I got into Weezer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then they started to get you know more and more famous where they wanted to hold on to that success and then the way they did that was writing songs that weren't necessarily true to who they are um and to this day i'm still not 100 positive i agree with you i don't think they know who they are um they're just kind of trying to stay relevant um and again weezer is one of my favorite bands but many of their albums reek of please like me please like me um the teal i feel like the only reason they released the teal album is because they became a meme and they were like oh hey we're famous again um let's capitalize on this um and that goes for you know hurley the worst album um maladroit one of the worst albums (laughs) i mean i remember when we did that little song battle i was playing you songs off those albums and you didn't know what the fuck they were yeah because they're terrible yeah Yeah. (laughs) and and i just yeah but i had that epiphany and that made me feel like you know i'm i I don't necessarily take back a lot of the things i said about weezer but i could definitely sit here and say i like weezer i think we all like weezer we're all rooting for weezer to be weezer i just really want them to figure it out before they're done (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And so, which, you know, I just had this random thought pop in my brain since we were talking about how a lot of their albums kind of reek of, uh, you know, trying to stay relevant and staying with the times and the Teal album being a meme. Um, I just hope that um, the, the OK Human isn't another one of those like, Okay, we're trying to stay relevant. Let's write a let's write a quarantine song um, because that fades. Um, Yeah, truthfully, I hope that fucking '80s (laughs) thing. See that, and that's where Weezer gets under my skin. You come out with an album like "Okay, Human" that actually really made me think, and I had a lot of like opinions about. And then you're gonna do this '80s album. Yeah, well, I was actually going to talk about that, too, because I did I did some some homework on that. So basically what happened there is they were going to release Van Weezer this year um, and they're basically talking about it like it's going to be their, um, you know, tribute to 80s metal, which is I'm really excited about because they they started out as a Kiss cover band or Rivers did. He was when he was in high school, he was in a Kiss cover band. Um, And that's like kind of what he loved. Um, And I was really excited about it coming out. Um, But. But then um, they were going to release it around springtime. But then again, COVID happened and their their line of thinking was we can't release this album because it relies too much on playing shows and experiencing these songs live. Um, so let's put this on the back burner, maybe work on something else. And then when the time comes to actually go play shows again, then people will actually enjoy Van Weezer. Um It was kind of funny how you were talking about, like, um, you know, the Foo thought it was a really good time to put out um, a dance album. Weezer thought not the right time at all to put out a dance album uh, because people will hate it if they can't see this live and enjoy us, you know, in person. Um, 
we want to be there to experience the celebratory tone of this album and it's just not happening right now so that's why they decided to release okay human this kind of like sad melodic album instead no that is interesting that definitely puts a different lens <laughs> on it but yeah i think all in the all in the end this weezer album actually caused me to think about weezer a little bit more and i realized how much i like them and i'm rooting for them i just think they've had bigger missteps in their career than like the foo have Mm, yeah i agree you know what i mean so mm. like with the foo i i think the foo is a take it or leave it kind of band you either really vibe with their happy go lucky everybody drink chug a beer and and shout <laughs> you know times like these you know you either mm-hmm. kind of like vibe on that or you don't you know what i mean so i think it's kind of take it or leave it and uh with weezer you know i i i, I don't think i'm gonna let people shit on weezer as much like, as soon as people start, like, shitting on Weezer, I'm like, well, no, like, rem- I know there's a Weezer song you like. Like, yeah, exactly. if you're going to say there's, there's you know one. what I mean? It's like, you're you're lying if you say there's not one Weezer song. You've never liked a Weezer song. Like, you have. <laughs> there's something there. They just don't know either, man. I Well, because, mm-hmm. like, Rivers literally, like, stopped making music and went to fucking law school because I think he was just like, yeah, I wanted to do that. I didn't. I've been real busy. <laughs> Like, maybe I should stop and just, you know, right. Like, I, I, I don't think that dude is prepared for stardom. And I think that he, like, took a lesson from Nirvana. I really do. I think he took a lesson from Kirk mm-hmm. Cobain. I was like, my man got kind of popular. I, I, I got to I got to rethink what we're doing. Mm-hmm. For yeah. better or worse. Well, and they released shitty music, but. <laughs> right. Well, I've talked about this before, but like one of the trajectories of Weezer albums has been like, you can, there was that time where he went to college and he's actually talked about like in interviews and books and stuff where one of his big influences for the albums they were putting out at the time is um, he, st- he had a lot of like music theory classes and he studied a lot about what makes basically a perfect pop song he basically kind of created this idea that you know a pop song has a recipe to it it is intro verse chorus verse chorus bridge um you know and every single thing you can do right in a pop song is what he was doing because he wanted to write a successful pop song um which they did if you listen to their kind of the albums that i consider shitty um they're in theory good pop songs but it's boring because he didn't really care he was just trying to write the perfect pop song and then around the time the red album came out um was when he was going to college and taking all these classes about like classical music um and one of the things he wanted to do in the red album was kind of just say you know fuck all of this things i've been trying to do the past few albums um like the greatest man ever that uh, ever lived is one of my favorite songs mm-hmm. and because he had this idea to write a song like you would write a classical piece of music with like different movements yeah. and not a single chorus just different phrases um and i think a lot of that kind of makes a comeback on okay human which i kind of dig yeah I always liked The Greatest Man That Ever Lived because I also thought that song was a parody song in a way where he's kind of parodying the the, the bands <laughs> that will put out like a six-part song and it's got all this like, you know, theatrics yeah. to it. And um, yeah, man, we- Weezer is just such a fucking band that I, I just, I want to like more 
Mm-hmm. And and I I really do, but there's there's just a few things that get in the way of me really being like, yeah, fucking <laughs> Weezer, man. Because also I don't I, I I don't know I don't I I do sometimes wish Rivers was like even on an iota cooler or less fucking awkward, right? <laughs> right. Like he he really does not seem personable at all. Like he's just like mm, right. I'm a I'm a sad rock star. Exactly. I don't know how to relate yeah. to people. But. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, they they announced that they were going to do a, another album within the next couple of years, and it's going to be like a sad album. He he um he 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 referenced like Elliot Smith as like the inspiration for this album, and I was like, yeah, that's a big fucking shocker. Like, <laughs> I'm not surprised that you're inspired by Elliot Smith. <laughs> yeah, that, and also maybe don't, dude. Like, you, yeah, come on, be Weezer, <laughs> man, do something different. Yeah. We're gonna make a D and D concept album. Like fuck yes, do that. <laughs> yes. Don't be like we're gonna be sad Weezer now. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Anyways, we're not gonna do what's cranking. Obviously, you know we just talked about it for the yeah. whole episode. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Oh my god, I still can't believe we're doing this podcast. It's like it's never fucking ending. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Till next time, stay fresh, cheese bags. Um, Avita same.